Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast contains explicit language. <laughs> It's Wednesday, July 5th, 2017 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. CNN has unmasked, as in wrestling, the Reddit user who put together a meme that President Trump tweeted out. This was the one that took old footage of Donald Trump body slamming Vince McMahon at a wrestling event and superimposed the CNN logo on Vince McMahon's head. So this Reddit guy who breathed the meme into life, username Han Asshole Solo, which is a bit like the original Han Solo, but much more of an asshole. I mean, if the real Han Solo shot first, Han Asshole Solo not only shot first, but then blamed the Jews second. Oh yeah, did I mention that other posts of his were pretty much blatant anti-Semitism? Anyway, CNN found this guy, this lucador of lauchery, and said to him, you're a bad, bad man. And he said, as one does to a member of the clergy slash the employer of Jeffrey Lord, as one does... Hen Asshole Solo said, I'm sorry, I will never do it again. And he posted to Reddit, don't be like me, kids. He turned himself into a cautionary tale. He explained, I thought memes were all in good fun until someone loses an eye. And CNN said, though we have the power to destroy you, you have shown sufficient penance, my son. Go now and never meme again. Or if you do, can you make it of Sean Hannity saying I like turtles? Something like that. Anyway, there is no good answer as to the ethics of this situation. Noted ethicist Ted Cruz called it extortion, though Ted Cruz isn't much of a calmer downer of situations. I do wonder, though, who the real Han asshole Solo is. He says he has a lot to lose if we knew his name. Who has that much to lose by being unmasked as a pro-Trump memer? Does this guy own a Prius dealership? Is he an importer-exporter of Judaica? Does he teach in a progressive Montessori school? Is he actually Harrison Ford? or Jeffrey Lord, or Don Lemon, or Meadowlark Lemon, the late Meadowlark Lemon. That will show you how deep the deep state goes. I guess we will never know, unless Han Asshole Solo transgresses again. Perhaps he'll do so, deviously, under a different screen name. So look out for Chewbacca Dipshit Wookie, and may the force of journalistic ethics be with you. On the show today, Chris Christie lazing on the beach, no, not lazing, showing his deep commitment to family values, and haberdashery. But first, speaking of Chris Christie, yesterday the federal government withdrew from what's called the Gateway Project. It was a multi-billion dollar, multi-state initiative to build a second tunnel connecting New Jersey to Manhattan, a desperately needed second tunnel. The reason there's no second tunnel now or in a few months is because of a decision that Chris Christie made years ago, though he was applauded at the time for it. Here's what I think that that decision damned citizens of the Northeast to the commuting hell we live in today. That decision, like the tunnel itself, has been a little buried, but we on the gist think it needs to be exhumed. Who better than journalist Matt Katz to do so? (laughs) 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Chris Christie, governor of New Jersey, will not hold that title for much longer. He is at record low approval and just basically his term has come to an end. And of course, his great legacy or the great shame of his legacy is right there in the subtitle of my next guest, Matt Katz's book, American Governor Chris Christie's Bridge to Redemption. Matt Katz covers immigration and refugees for WNYC and NPR. He used to be on the Christie beat full time. Matt, how are you? Hi there, Mike. How are you? I'm well. So, Christy, Bridge, you could write a book on it. In fact, you did. But I want to talk about ARC. What was, and I'll, I'll use the word was, what was ARC to be? ARC was a tunnel that was supposed to go under the Hudson River into New York City from New Jersey. And it was supposed to alleviate what transportation planners, civic planners, envisioned to be a nightmare scenario in the whole Northeast corridor of the United States when it comes to public transportation. There are tunnels that go under the river connecting the states that are now 106 years old, almost older than any living person on earth. They are deteriorating and the tracks that go through those tunnels are also falling apart. This is the tunnel that anybody going anywhere in the Northeast, if you're going from DC to Boston, this is what you have to take. If you're taking a local New Jersey transit train into New York City to go to work because you live in New Jersey, these are the tunnels you have to take. And this project, which was conceived back in the 90s, was supposed to add uh, add tracks, add a tunnel in order to alleviate the pressure on the existing tracks and tunnel. And it was going to solve all of our woes in the most important economic section of this country. Or at least address the uh, coming nightmare. And uh, I'm going to go back and ask you what happened to it. But first, just give us a snapshot of today. We don't really need extra tunnels, do we? How are things going there through Penn Station and the and the region? It's a, it's a nightmare. And uh, we're approaching what's being dubbed the summer of hell uh, because uh, Amtrak which takes the, your, your long-distance commuters into New York City from parts of New Jersey, Philadelphia, D.C., is eliminating some of its service, and New Jersey Transit is eliminating a whole bunch of its service this summer, so emergency repairs can be done on the tracks. And uh, already, New Jersey Transit commuters and Amtrak commuters complain of delays, of electricity being just cut out in the rail cars randomly and you're in hot darkness for who knows how long I've been in trains where the conductor comes on and says, we don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. There is just way too much uh, capacity and the infrastructure can't handle it. They're trying to make emergency repairs now because there is no long-term fix that is certain to happen anytime soon. Yeah. It's gotten to the point where after 9-11, people were told to pack emergency preparedness kits. Now people are just trying to figure out the emergency plan for always avoiding Penn Station. Penn Station hasn't been pleasant since I was alive, but the word nightmare and hell have now affixed themselves to it, and I fear that that will be permanent. 
And this is a critical, I mean, people have to get to work in New York City. There's hundreds of thousands of people who are going through this area every day. It's an economic driver. It has the ramifications for the economy. If people can't get to work, if there is some sort of what could potentially be a, a permanent problem where you would eliminate an entire track, the ramifications for the economy alone are endless. So let's go back to the 90s. This was a plan for a while. Who had to sign off on this plan to make it a reality? You needed uh, New York and New Jersey, and you also needed the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, which is this bi-state agency that controls all the bridges and tunnels and much of the transportation infrastructure in New York and New Jersey. It's also probably one of the most corrupt public agencies in the history of the modern world. That's true. And, that, that, yeah, right? that, is, that aside, though. Is that fair? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, uh, certainly New York. But that aside, is it fair to say that Chris Christie alone killed Ark? Yeah. Yeah, he alone killed it because uh, New Jersey had to uh, chip in some money for it. And he also, with the governor of New York, controls the Port Authority. So when he made a totally surprise announcement, nobody saw this coming. He made a totally surprise announcement in his ninth month in office in 2010 to kill this project. It was a total shock. I mean, construction had already begun. I mean, they, they, they were already, you know, there was already concrete. I don't know what you do to build a tunnel in the river. I think there's some digging. They already started doing some stuff. There was some digging. (laughs) Christie's argument, a monetary argument, in hindsight, does it, unlike the not built tunnel, hold water? There were two main arguments. The first was cost overruns. The project was supposed to cost $8.7 billion total. He had determined that it was going to reach as high as $14 billion. He pointed to the Big Dig in Boston, another massive infrastructure project that had tons of cost overruns. And he said that there was nobody else who was going to end up being responsible for all that all those cost overruns other than the taxpayers of New Jersey. His other argument was that this train basically went nowhere. He said it went to Macy's basement, crossed the street down the block from Penn Station, and therefore was not, didn't make any sense. Like, therefore, once you're, you should have gone into Penn Station so you could then transfer to go to Grand Central Station and continue on or to go to your many subways that Penn Station has. Therefore, it was an ill-conceived project and it was going to cost a ton of money and it had to be killed. And to give people not from the area a sense of the geography, Macy's is a, uh, I think, a long one block walk from Penn Station. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to get to the politics. As I recall, this gave him national prominence. This There was a honeymoon right when he came in. Um, people enjoyed how he tried to rebalance the budget and his personality. And then when he did this, it earned him a huge amount of credibility among fiscal conservatives. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, the, the day he announced this served him politically in New Jersey because the first scandal of his administration was brewing that day. His fired education commissioner was testifying before the legislature about this basically a typo that had lost New Jersey hundreds of millions of dollars in federal education money. So he's got this scandal going on. All the reporters in the state house are covering this hearing and he calls a surprise press conference and blows everybody out of the water with this big announcement. So he, first of all, it had an immediate political benefit that people might forget about now, but the larger benefit for him was this was 2010. This is the apex of the tea party. And here you have a brand new governor, brand new Republican governor, 
governor. And sure, he could have like cut some teachers' benefits, which he did, but could have done it more drastically, like Scott Walker in Wisconsin did. Instead, he decides to kill what was then the biggest infrastructure project in the country, and they loved him for it. Conservatives, Tea Party conservatives, loved him for it. He was at a fundraiser, and they knew about it. I mean, it, it spread on conservative media. So he was at a fundraiser a few weeks later in Portland, Oregon, and a donor turned to him. I have the quote. The donor turned to Christie and said, your rejection of the arc tunnel tells me all I need to know about you because I'm a Westerner. And for somebody to tell Washington to take their money and stick it because of the strings attached is what real leadership is about. Christie goes on 60 minutes and he's like, gotta, gotta cancel it. I mean, listen, the bottom line, I don't have the money, gotta cancel it. I mean, he was able to ride this thing and it was something that conservatives around the country who hadn't known anything about the guy, this was the first thing they knew about him. And he was, we now know, you know, planning a, a national profile. He was setting himself up to run for president and this was a key ingredient to that. Yeah. So th- those are the politics. Have you done much reporting on the question, would or to what extent would ARC have solved the problems we're experiencing now and are expected to experience in years to come? I mean, the number of commuters is increasing every year. The, no- the population is increasing every year. So certainly it would have alleviated the stress. And the bigger point is Two years after he canceled the Ark Tunnel, Superstorm Sandy happened. And the salt water, the flooding that resulted from that in those tunnels really degraded the quality of the, the tracks and the tunnel. And according to what the, the experts in there said, it, it, it shortened the lifespan of this, of this infrastructure. And what the Ark Tunnel would have done in the least was it would have allowed trains to be diverted to new tunnels so the existing tunnels could be repaired properly and shut down for a period of time, which would have alleviated any sort of uh, mass emergency related to you know not being able to get into the city for some time. There's no question it would have done that. It took some time later before Christie came up with an alternative plan, and that's the one that's being bandied about now. That's, it's being bandied, not built. Bandy not built. I mean, Christie was silent on this stuff for for years. I mean, after he killed it, he just didn't talk about any of the issues related to commuting into New York City anymore. Yeah, it ceased to I be mean, a the problem other, that needed a solution since he was against that one solution. And the other solutions would have required taxes, and he didn't want to do that. It also would have required money from the Port Authority, and another thing was happening at the time. Christie didn't want to raise gas taxes in New Jersey because he wanted to run for president, and he signed that Grover North Norquist no tax pledge that Grover Norquist, the uh, conservative anti-tax guy, made all mm-hmm. the potential candidates sign. So he had signed this thing and didn't want to raise gas taxes. So what he did was he took money that the Port Authority had earmarked for the Arc Tunnel. These are toll dollars uh, that the Port Authority had and was going to use for this Arc Tunnel. He took that and used it for transportation projects, for road repair projects in New Jersey. Those road repair projects are typically and supposed to be paid for by the gas tax. That's the way it works in New Jersey. Didn't want to raise the gas tax. 
because then he'd be the guy who raised taxes and he's running for president on not raising taxes. So the Port Authority instead used its money from the Ark Tunnel to fix New Jersey's roads. Um, so there was no longer any money that the Port Authority even had to have a new project to replace Ark. So he stopped talking about this for years until... Uh, about a year and a half ago, the delays got so extensive, particularly on New Jersey Transit, that he was just excoriated day after day on social media, and it started to bleed over into his fledgling presidential campaign a little bit. And that's when he decided to try to come up with something new and to endorse something new. Yeah. And he actually wound up raising the gas tax after his uh, presidential campaign flamed out. But here's what I think, and I want to bounce it off you. Obviously, Bridgegate was a true scandal, and it exemplifies a lot of his worst qualities and his pettiness, his vindictiveness, and it really cuts to your gut if you're a New York traveler because you hate being stuck in traffic. But in terms of what's real and what's the most shameful part of his legacy, I would say it's got to be ARC. Maybe people aren't talking about ARC, but it's the failure to do the necessary thing to me that shows the real lack of character, the real failure, as opposed to playing politics with people's commute on one or two days. The, the ramifications of Bridgegate, which were five days of, of traffic in this town in North Jersey, they were five days long, those ramifications. The ramifications of canceling ARC is literally decades long. Now, the project might have been not perfectly conceived, as he had argued, and it might have cost people a little bit of money in the long run. But this new idea, the new project that might replace ARC called Gateway, that in the best case scenario, if the Trump administration funds it, won't come online for another dozen years. So, I mean, my five-year-old daughter, if she goes to college at NYU, she might very well still be stuck on a train in the middle of the <laughs> Hudson River trying to get to New York City. Whereas if ARC had happened, yes, she might have gone to Macy's basement instead of Penn Station. But by 2030, you know, she would have been able to get to New York City. And now that's all thrown into question. And Matt, don't you think, and your guy wrote a book about Bridgegate, but don't you think it exemplifies something that's really wrong and sad about our political process? That the thing we latch onto and the thing that seems the most egregious is the easily graspable scandal. But the thing that really hurts society the most is a little more buried in the past, is a little more technical. But that's the thing that's going to uh, keep this country from thriving as much as it can in the long run. I will, I will push back on one point. I mean, uh, one thing is criminal. Bridgegate was criminal. Even if he was not charged, his aides were found to be guilty and convicted. Canceling Ark was well within his constitutional authority. Mm -hmm. uh, so in that sense, yes, the media gave a ton of attention to Bridgegate. Uh, but, you know, in the beginning, we also gave a ton of attention to ARC. I don't blame but, the media. I, blame, I think this is what people, what their minds latch onto. I don't think it's the media leading them there. I think that it's mostly human nature, but it's a depressing reality. I don't blame you. I think you did a great job reporting both of these things. But he'll be known for Bridgegate, won't be known for ARC, should be known for ARC. I mean, it's not illegal, but yeah. it's as, just as unethical in my estimation. His his long-term legacy when somebody writes the history book on him, because I'm not writing another book on him, somebody later on after we're all long and gone, that should be the long-term legacy that should be examined. I agree, more so than Bridgegate. 
Matt Katz is a reporter for WNYC. He was out there moving the cones during Bridgegate, and his daughter is going to NYU. <laughs> I think we learned a lot about Matt today. Thank yeah, you, Matt. Full scholarship, because she's a genius. Yeah, she better NYU. get one. I've seen the cost projections of tuition there on a public radio <laughs> reporter's salary. You're, you're screwed, dude. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. And now the spiel. Why did Chris Christie do it? Why did he close down a public beach and turn it into his private domain? Here, the governor's spokesman had some important context. When confronted, the governor's spokesman insisted Governor Christie did not get any sun because he had a baseball cap on. Wow. You thought depends on what the meaning of is is was a lame defense. What if Clinton had said, I did not have sexual relations because I was wearing a cap at the time. Or Marion Barry, the bitch set me up. Bad excuse. How about, the bitch was wearing a hat. Now we are making some progress. Though it seems we're not quite 85% of the way there. Christie is America's least popular governor. His approval rating, just 15%. Why did the governor do it? Does he just not care? Did he not think that there was a lens long enough to pick out his gubernatorial speck on an entire sandy beach from a long distance in an airplane? I have a theory of Chris Christie, and it comes down to the word optics. Optics was central to his defense. I think I've proven over the last eight years that I have a choice to make between my family and political optics, and I'm going to pick my family. He also cited optics other times, like in this quote, where a 15% rating becomes sort of a disapproval chic I think my poll numbers show that I don't care about political optics. Asked a few months ago in an unrelated matter about how it would look for him to be vacationing instead of negotiating, he said this. That's what you get concerned about. What I get concerned about are the results, not the optics. You'll write about the optics. That's what you guys do. I'm just telling you directly. I'm not worried about the optics. See, I think... Chris Christie is as worried about optics as any politician, and he should be. How you're perceived adds to or subtracts from your capital, which allows you to pursue your agenda. That's not always fair, but that's essentially the politics formula. But all along, Chris Christie's career has benefited from optics broadly defined when it's more about the things he was saying than the things that we were looking at. Early on in his tenure, he would have town hall meetings where he'd wrestle with teachers and union members. He held the microphone and teachers would get the microphone briefly, then it would be taken away from them, and they'd be left to yell at him from the audience unmiked. But Christie always had his mic and all the power and all the volume, and those confrontations made him a star. But later, there was this time when he was arguing with a protester, and that man was carrying a sign that called on him to rebuild after Sandy. And that exchange hurt him. If the man were just yelling, Christie would have been fine. But the sign let everyone know what the protester's point was. And Christie looked small by comparison. Christie also got into a spat with a constituent while the governor was holding an ice cream cone. That looked terrible and it hurt him. But when Christie said, get the hell off the beaches before a hurricane, or when he eviscerated Marco Rubio in a debate that helped him. Former prosecutor, smart guy, fan of talk radio. That's what he wants to do when he leaves office, WFAN Sports Radio. Christie is good at words. He's bad at images. Side note, he's also not great at actions. See Bridgegate and New Jersey's multiple credit downgrades with him in charge. But, and 
This is where it might get a little controversial. I think he has the fat man's view of the world. I know this. I am a former fat man. What you do is you wear clothes that are too baggy to hide. In Christie's case, his political ads never have a full body shot. Or you campaign with individuals who make you appear diminished. That was Shaquille O'Neal, Christie endorser. I don't endorse many politicians, but Chris Christie is different. Overall, in his political life, Christie has been helped by his words, but hurt by his image. And that would be unfair, except there winds up being a kind of justice in that his actions have been fairly detrimental to the health of the state as well. In the end, Christie was left to try to define the image we saw, not as one of hypocritical selfishness, but of family orientation. I was sitting next to my wife of 31 years, surrounded by my children and some of their best friends. If that's a scandal, that's a scandal I'm guilty of every day of my life. Being committed to my wife and to my children first. And that's fine if that's how he wants to word it. But we all know what we saw. And that's it for today's show that just was produced by Mary Wilson. You might know her as Lando Jerkwad Calrissian. The gist was also produced by Chris Barube, his Reddit username, C3PPPO. Steve Lichtai is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. He goes online as Admiral Squid Butt Akbar. The gist, a.k.a. Boba Fart. I joined Reddit pretty early to get that one. Oomperu depru duperu, and thanks for listening. <laughs>